So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 16 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Usman asks his brother for a child, Jovi makes a final decision on behalf of Yara, Jenny and family try to sell Summit on moving to America, Michael gets just as angry with the goofballs as Angela does, Ed and Liz are trying to decide if they're going to move or not, and Libby and Andre join Chuck on his Tinder date. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dances, and Life Lessons. If you, like what you, if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we'll be covering the new season of Love During Lockup. Alright, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy! Hello, Miss Garrow. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm not too bad. I um, am getting things going on. I'm getting ready for not only the holidays. My family has a tremendous amount of birthdays in December, which is oh. just like, it's crazy. Yeah. I just, so many birthdays. I think it's in my like immediate family. It's one, two, three, five birthdays oh in gosh, December. Oh my gosh. That's a lot. You guys must <laughs> yes. love Valentine's Day. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I love every day. Um, anyway. <laughs> let's start with that let's uh, get off of um mr o's um libido and get on to something else um oh god yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's talk let's talk yara and jovi because they were annoying and short so the time has come for yara to drive somewhere so jovi and talmage are in the back seat for once for a surprise destination they're wondering is it a beer garden a strip club uh, Yara says maybe rehab, but it's just hiking in the mountains. So she's hoping that some nice view and some fresh air will help this help with all this tension in their relationship. But maybe not because it starts with him trying to put her arms around her. He tried to put his arms around her and she like physically pushed him away. Like, no, don't do that. Get away from me. So they bicker in the walk about what language they're going to speak because Jovi is tired of people speaking Ukrainian around him. And then Talmadge kind of brings up the conversation of when does Jovi have to go back to work? Um, which is in like two days. So, of course, uh, then Karina openly is just like asking him, please, can Yara stay for dinner? Um, as if, you know, you're at a play date. Um, she wants Yara to stay in Europe for the time being. So this makes this really this idea really makes Jovi want to isolate Yara back in the United States so that these outside agitators can stop influencing her. <laughs> so Yara makes a case again and Karina calls him selfish for trying to be so controlling. Talmadge, again, speaks up without anybody wanting to, wanting him to or asking him to and brings up, well, you made wedding vows. So then she says that – then Yara says that she has been miserable for two and a half years, especially during the times when he was at work, which is exactly where he's going to go as soon as they get back. So he has no answer to that and just kind of puts his foot down and says, that's it. We're done. You're coming back with me. Conversation over. Oof. So that, Yeah. Yeah, it leads to a pretty awkward time back at the hotel where he wants to talk it out. So he tells her that he has always had a back of his mind worry that once she got her green card, she would leave for Europe and never come home. And this is just kind of seems like exactly what's happening. But she says this is just his insecurities, even though he says, no, it's the reality. So he blames the whole thing on cultural differences, but she doesn't see that there's a cultural difference. What that has to do with him not trusting her to eventually come back to the United States. (laughs) So she feels like he's crushing her dreams about, you know, her dreams of being in Europe and helping people and isn't happy about going back to the U.S. 
So she says she never had any plans. She never before had any plans to move back to Europe permanently. But the way he's trying to force everything to happen and make her come back is making that seem a lot more appealing. All right. So, oh, geez. Like, could he have – is he just – handling this the worst way possible i don't know that there's a worse way he could be handling this well i was gonna say yeah you're not wrong he is handling it pretty poorly but at the same time i feel like from his perspective this is no win right i don't think that him being like better about saying it the way that you know maybe is like more appealing to her i don't think that's going to change your mind uh, telling her what to do explicitly is definitely not changing her mind. But the fact of the matter is, is he really has no say. Uh, and he likes to think that he's in control by telling her, but he really isn't. No, I mean, I guess he – if it's his money, I guess, because who's going to buy the plane ticket if she doesn't come home, right? Well, this is, that's even right. dumber. Would he not buy a plane ticket? Like, no, you didn't come home with me. Now you have to stay in Europe. That's, that's the opposite of what he wants. So, yes, he would eventually end up buying the plane ticket. But it's like yeah. it, it, he's not even making really any attempt to, like, feel out or discuss it. It's just mm-hmm. like, like, well, how long would you stay? Are you going to stay for like an extra two weeks? What's, what would the plan be, right? Would you right. stay for an extra three months? If you did, well, how would you make sure you were in the U.S.? For, he's not having that conversation. He's just having, mm, I don't like, come back now, stop, right? Because yeah. her point is good. Like you want me to and, – and he even admits it. You want me to go back to an empty house. Yeah. Like I'm not even going to go back with you. I'm going back right. to an empty house. And he yeah. basically is like, won't tell her that, but is basically like, yes, because when you're in the empty house, nobody else is giving you their opinion, right? Right. <laughs> you're, because you're, I like it when you're stuck there, which is yeah. awful. Yeah, it's an unreasonable – he is being unreasonable and he is like kind of throwing a tantrum about it and that's not how you're going to get your way. But at the same time, he's also not being very logical about it, so I also don't think he's going to get his way. Right, right. He just it, it, the, the thing is, is his logic out the window. It's a completely emotional decision right, because everybody's right. pretty right. As long as she can manage the green card requirements where, where she stays, mm-hmm. like her staying an extra two or three weeks while he's at work doesn't yeah. make a difference to him. He just right. doesn't trust. He just thinks that if she stays an extra two or three weeks, then at the end of that stay, she's going to say, well, I'm going to after. Well, now I know you're coming home and everything, but I'm still going to stay here for a couple months. Or why don't you yeah. come back to Europe and we'll stay for a few more months? That's what he's worried is going to happen. Yeah. But he just needs to let it play out because right now it's like it doesn't make sense what he's planning. And I get what his fear is, like what you just said, but – it's like he's just got to trust her a little yeah, bit. and that's what it is. That's right. She's right. It comes down to that's just a lack of trust. You yeah. just don't trust me. Right, right. And so he does. He has to play it. He has to let it play out. So then he can say, well, you didn't do this. So if mm-hmm. history has taught us anything, it's that you're not going to do what you say you're going to do or you don't care about being in the U.S. and – you know, then he can use that. But right now he has nothing. He has no like. Yes, you on. have to. She has to actually break your trust once before you can say, well, last time I trusted you. There's a reason I shouldn't. I can't trust you on this. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, moving on to other little families they got going. Uh, let's move on to Libby and Andre. 
So Libby, Andre, and Ellie are at Happy's house to go swimming. Libby's dad, Chuck, is excited to share news that he's met someone who is also a cancer survivor. They met online and they're going to meet in Tampa. Libby is surprised that her dad is dating because he's dated so few women since Libby's mom. Andre suggests a double date. Well, Libby thinks that's a terrible idea. But Chuck likes the idea because he would feel more comfortable with them all there. Libby is reluctant to agree, but since it'll help Chuck, you know, she's okay with it. Meanwhile, we get a segment with Charlie and his wife, Megan. Charlie says that there's no relationship with Libby and Andre and thinks that they have divided the family. He brings up the pregnancy announcement drama and how it hurt their mom where she was just crying. Megan thinks that it might be a Team Charlie versus Team Andre situation at therapy, and Charlie thinks that he might be getting more people on his side at this point. Charlie insists that he's just the same with or without kids, and it's really Libby that's changed. Charlie says he will try to defend himself if Andre fights him, and he means physically, but Megan says that he should just let Andre hit him so she can call the cops and ice on him. Later, Libby and Andre are meeting up for their double date with Chuck. Chuck is nervous because it's been a long time since he's been on a date. Andre and Libby hope the new girl is not a gold digger or a party girl. They're at a hibachi restaurant and Chuck's date hasn't arrived yet. And he's called and texted her, but hasn't heard from her. They ask him if he's been ghosted, but Chuck says that she just works a lot. Andre reasons that women are always late, so they should just give her some more time. Chuck gets a text from Lisa Heart Emoji, and she claims that she's tested positive for COVID and she'll try to meet up with him in the future. Libby says, just give her one more chance, and that's it. Chuck is happy he uh, wasn't completely ghosted, and he's proud that at least he's taken a first step in dating. Andre makes a comment about how in Moldova there isn't a diverse amount of food, and that's why he's always getting fat here. The conversation then turns to Andre's immigration status. Luby brings up the lawyer's suggestion that maybe a family member might have made an accusation to immigration. Chuck says that this is something that he will ask everyone about in family therapy by looking them in the eye. They hope that by seeing the re- their reactions, this will eliminate any suspects. Andre says that he might not be able to restrain himself physically if he finds out someone made a report. All right, so uh, where should we start? Uh, I don't know. Let's start off with this. Uh, do you think he, Chuck is uh, kind of getting the, what do we call the fade out here? I don't know. I was very confused about Chuck's Tinder date here. Um, <laughs> I, I did my head, in my head, that's what you know. Because it, it was not a Tinder date because it's weird because, because of that. Because mm-hmm. he was like, oh, she's coming to Tampa. Yes. Right? And it's weird that she would we like... We didn't really see from where, though. We don't know from where. Right. Like, who she's staying with. Like, right. I don't know. Because you'd think, like, if... I don't know. If you were coming to see... She's obviously not coming to see Chuck, or she'd be right. staying with Chuck. Right? Yeah. And so, I guess she's just going to be in town. Who knows where she's from? And then, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I guess there's been a lot of... I haven't. I never got this because I was, you know, <laughs> kind of when I went from from you know ca- dating people to like dating a person um, mm-hmm. is in the middle of COVID because I I don't know if that's the new. Oh yeah, I 
totally got COVID, so I can't right. come to the date. <laughs> oh, it was incredibly suspicious. Like, if yes. you legitimately tested positive for COVID, and it sounded like she went to urgent care, and that's how she found out. But you had to have been sick enough to go to urgent care in the first place. Why didn't you text him then? Like, hey, um, yes. I'm not feeling well. I'm going to urgent care. You know, we may have to play later by year or something like that. But it's just like right. she gave him nothing. She didn't communicate any with anything with him. And then at the very last minute, like after he's already there, which is rude, by the way. It's just oh, like. Oh, totally rude. Because they're, they're stuck. They left their house. Who knows how long of a drive it was to get there. Sure. Right. Now you're testing positive for COVID. It's just like that to me is real suspicious. And I'm not saying that any of those things couldn't happen, but I'm saying it's the kind of person that doesn't communicate or, you know, they're pl- like Libby even said, there's plenty of opportunities to communicate what exactly had happened throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to get you to where you're at this point. And so to me, I would be like, well, I don't want to deal with the this person's lack of communication because am I going to have to live my life like this, like wondering where the heck they are? Yeah, I mean, it's that. And I mean, I was a little more distracted by the number of times Chuck was like misusing the word ghosted. Oh, like, is it yeah. ghosted? He never go- heard of I feel that like until ghosted. that day. And the, but then he started, <laughs> then he used it like in every sentence after that. Oh, I feel like yeah. the ghosting person is ghosting me. Are they ghosting? Like, is <laughs> yeah. this, is this a ghosting? That's pretty typical <laughs> of a parent, right? Or an older person that like picks up a new slang word. They're going to misuse it, right? That's just like the nature of that. Yeah, but like, and it was funny because they like, well, it was a, it was funny because he was like, what's ghosting? And he was like, you know, when they disappear, like a fart in the wind. (laughs) That's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do feel bad for Chuck that this all played out on television, but at the same time, to their own like decisions, right? Their own choices. Because it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, they didn't need to televise this. Like, none of this. They did not need to film this. You didn't. And we, we, anybody who spent any any amount of time dating has had people that canceled like too close to the last minute or whatever. And right. you're like, oh, okay. Like yeah. that's happened to literally everybody. Um, and so it's something that I, I mean, you feel bad for him, but it's also like, yeah, we've all been there, dude. Like everybody's yeah. been there. Um, and, but yeah, it's, it doesn't necessarily need to be on camera. And it definitely, definitely doesn't need to be with your daughter there. <laughs> No, that was weird. Okay, first of all, why is Andre suggesting this? And why was Chuck that into it? I was with Libby. I was like, this is a terrible idea. Wait, we're the only ones who think that? Why? In theory, if the date goes well, they'll like flirt with each other, right? Like, there'll be be some sparks flying. I don't want to see the dad doing that. Absolutely not. (laughs) No. Yeah, definitely not. Okay, then we get this random segment with Charlie, and this, like, just made me, like, ah, uh, It feels like they're embedding, like, the family Libby in into 90 Day Fiance. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. It just feels like that. Why are we getting more family members? They're not main cast. Like, I don't care. I don't want to see different aspects of this situation. I, f- I feel like they're still trying to throw out the stakes. And this is my – this is my, they're trying to throw out the stakes for this um, for this, this family therapy thing, right? Because yeah. you have him being like, 
You, well, it's funny because they've had the, they've had his worry, but like I'm worried somebody in the family reported me to ICE. Oh and yeah, I was like that's ridiculous. Nobody plotting. in the family would do that, and they flipped to this lady who's like, "I'll report him to ICE. I swear to God, I'll do it." <laughs> right? Like, well, yeah. like, yeah, let him start a fight. That'll give me a reason. Uh huh. Yeah. Right, but but we've that that kind of sets that establishment of all the rest of the yeah. family's been calling him crazy. Nobody in the family would ever report you to ICE. You're just being paranoid, and then we literally mm-hmm. see somebody like, "I cannot wait to report this guy to ICE." Right. So it makes it seem like not so not as much. And then when we have the Andre going like, if anybody, if I find it out, I might not be able to restrain myself. So we have the idea that Andre might hit Charlie embedded into like two different scenes. That, 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 and they're trying to like build suspense for the for the family therapy session is I think what's going right. on. Well, which we've talked about offline. When the hell is this family therapy session ever going to happen? It's we've never, talked it, about it. For almost it's going to be like twenty minutes episode. before the tell all. Like that's it. It's oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, and it's going to be like a 30-second, like, explicit-filled, like, beep fest. Yeah, and then somebody's going to walk out with the conch yeah. shell or whatever, and that's going to be it. Yeah, like it's because right. I, I, I feel like if they had a lot for it, they would film a lot for it, and it would be on the episode. We've we've seen, yeah. and we'll get to it. We talked offline, and we'll get to it when we get to these other couples. There's a lot of these stories that have been going on for many, many, many episodes yeah. that have not been that long in terms of time. Right? Right. Right. So moving on, speaking of that, uh, let's go to Jenny and Simit, actually. So we pick up the conversation. We pick up in the conversation. See, like I said, the whole last episode was a conversation. We're still having this conversation in this episode. Yeah. The conversation with uh, Simit's brother, sister-in-law, and his dad. So Smith's brother asks if he really is planning on moving to America because that's where we kind of where we left with Jenny threatening to move to America. And – you know, you know, Jenny kind of pipes up and says, well, yeah, if we're going to – if us being here is going to keep upsetting everyone here, then that might be the best solution. So, of course, this is a shocking thing for her to say in Samit's eyes because, A, he didn't know that was a thing that she was thinking about. B, he doesn't want to move to America <laughs> and lose his family and friends. So, Christina um, tells the family that Samit would be welcome in America with open arms. There would be no problem. Nobody would reject him. So Samit's dad is very upset that Samit has always lived and lived his life up to this point and did whatever he wanted. So moving to America would be no different than any of that. That's not – and so it doesn't change their position. So in an interview, uh, you know, Anil tells us that um, they both – her, him and Samit's mom both think that the relationship's only going to last for another year or two anyway. So they can just wait this thing out and he'll be right back as soon as they break up. So if he if they, if, they, if he's in America while they're waiting, if he's in India while they're waiting, eh, it's not that big of a deal. So when Christina says that they you know they love each other very much, and you know his dad kind of stops her right there and says that his love is why they're doing this. It's because that they love him that they can't let let him be in an unacceptable relationship that has no chance of children. Which brings up then we talk about children, so that brings that part up of Samit's plan that he hasn't shared with uh, with Jenny. Oh he doesn't bring it up in the meeting, but we talked about where he's open to adopting children just to placate his mother. So Jenny doesn't know that that's what he has planned. So he kind of, instead of saying, well, what if we adopted kids? is like, well, is there anything we could do? Like, And the dad is like, yeah, you could divorce Jenny. That would fix it. <laughs> So he is like, I don't care if it's a bitter divorce or a sweet divorce, just whatever. You have to break up with Jenny. So now Jenny thinks her, her case to moving into America is stronger than ever. So then it's another day and another place to sit down and talk. This time it's the Shikwa Haveli, which is a palace that was made by the royal family in the area. 
it's almost time for Christina and Jen to go home. So this is the kind of like the last conversation we'll have with them before they do. So Samit is nervous that Jenny might feel that since the family didn't seem to care about him moving, that she's going to take it as a green light to move back to America, which he very much doesn't want to do. But of course, that's exactly what she took it as, a green light to move up to America. So everybody gangs up on him and says how, you know, now it's, now's the time. It's time to try life in the U.S. He says he's not ready because what if he can't fit in? Which Jenny isn't really all about hearing because, you know, she had to move to some place where she didn't fit in. So she thinks kind of like, well, what's the big deal? I did it. You can do it too. So, but she also tells him that the immigration officer told her it's a two-year process. So it's not like something is going to happen like next month or anything anyway. He still has at least two years. So he is both mad that she saw the lawyer behind his back and also thinks it's unfair for Jenny to be holding her decision to move to India kind of over his head as like a, as a weapon, as a, as a weapon. So he thinks that uh, what the, he thinks about what other stuff I wanted to do. And what about the other stuff I wanted to do in India, like adopting kids to Jenny was like, excuse me, what? Like, <laughs> wait, what, 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 what is it? What is this about kids? Like, if you wanted kids, you shouldn't have married me. Cause I definitely do not want children. <laughs> so he does explains that it's really just part of the plan to get his family back. You know, if he has kids, then one of their biggest arguments is kind of, you know, taken off the table. So Jenny is disappointed that this is just like one more evidence that reconnecting with his family is always going to take priority over her. So Christina warns him that if he keeps priori- if he keeps doing that and keeps prioritizing getting his family back over Jenny, the relationship can't and won't work. So now Jenny is even questioning their decision to get married if he is thinking about children. All right. So who do you think's position is stronger? Jenny's anti-child position or Samit's anti-America position? Uh, Jenny's anti-child because I think that that has been uh, communicated and she's been upfront about it. I don't think uh-huh. Summit has been upfront about his anti-America thing, but then in his defense, they might not have considered that an option before. So maybe it's just something that, you know, it's not like he was avoiding telling her anything like that. It's just they've never talked about it. But yeah. I think it's been pretty clear that Jenny doesn't want to have kids. Yes. I mean, I think that I think that Samit does his Samit thing. And I think that she has mentioned maybe not hard, concrete plans to move Mm -hmm. to America, but the idea of like, oh, you know, in the future, maybe in the future, we'll decide to get a a green card and we can go back and forth and we can go to America. And he's always just kind of like, yeah, uh, uh, okay, well, we'll have to think about that. Uh huh. Like he he clearly doesn't want to do it. But he doesn't right. say, no, I have no interest in living to it. He doesn't say those words. He's just like, uh, uh, sh- uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, but I don't think he, cause I don't think he's that strongly committed to anything, honestly. Not as strongly committed as she was to kids. That was, cause a lot of times <laughs> she she's like, like nope. I'm worried about, she was like, nope. What are you doing, you crazy person? Like, it was a different side of Jenny than we usually see. Like, yeah. she usually is pretty stubborn. And it's just like, I just don't understand. But the brought up kitchen, she was like, excuse me, what? Are you a crazy yeah. person? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, he is. Because, I mean, it's ridiculous to bring up a child. I mean, I mean, I think a child is much more serious than moving. You can unmove. Yes. You can't unhave a child. You Correct. know, and so yes. it's like the fact that he's like kind of make, making these bizarre decisions like behind her back, like that's ridiculous. That's much different than her going behind his back to get some information from an immigration lawyer. It is. And 
well, he hasn't actually gotten any information about uh, adopting a child. He doesn't even know if that'll work, right? I don't know if they have this this blood thing that the other families seem to be obsessed about, right? Yeah. Where because it wouldn't be his child. It's not actually your child. But oh, you can't ask your sixty something year old wife oh, yeah. to raise a child. Like, yeah. What do you? What do you? Oh my God! Like I'm just because that, but. I'm like I'm just trying to think of how you know how old my grandma is, and it'll be like that's how old the kid would be when they're like 18. It's crazy. It's it's yeah. just it's just it's absurd. And the thing is, he doesn't even want a child. He would right. do it just so that his mom would pick up the phone every week. Like that's yeah. literally it. Um, yeah, that is not the reason to have kids ever. Right, because I because I feel like his dad could mess with him, but. Don't because he would. He'd be like, How, what, is there anything I could do? He'd be like, yeah, cut off your left arm. He would do it. Like, you know, yeah. like he, it just, it's, it's, I mean, maybe possibly the biggest cultural, like, shock maybe we've seen in the show, just how obsessed he is with getting his mom's approval. He cannot he live is. without his parents' approval. It's really obsessive and kind of sad because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, well, I don't know, but maybe he doesn't think about it like this, but it's like his mom isn't going to be around forever. And at that point, he has to be happy. But then I guess his mom. Would well, then Jenny, Jenny, oh, Jenny's older that, than his mom. Right. That Jenny probably won't be around forever. <laughs> right. You're not getting that. That, that one doesn't going to work. So. Right. But I don't know. But, but they all. Say and I'm I, I'm I definitely am always curious when I watch this. Is this something like, you know, he Sumit would say any Indian person would would be the same, would would act the same way right. and be just as obsessed about it. But I also wonder a bit if that's like if you talk to some somebody of say a different political persuasion than me and they're like every American wants to have a gun under their pillow. I don't know what you're talking about. Every single one, all of us, right. we all want right. that. Like what we we don't though. Like, but it just feels because what you are and where you think that that's what that's what everybody wants, right? Like, yeah, there's definitely things about you know that you think are cultural, universal cultural things, even in your own culture that are not. And so I'm very curious as whether this is more universal than he's painting it out to be, as universal as he's painting it out to be, or if he really is an oddball and nobody else would care this much. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay, so moving on to, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, Let's go Michael and Angela. Uh, Michael is, or sorry, Angela is not happy about hanging out with the goofballs because they have been against their marriage this whole time. Michael wants them all just to get along. Angela agreed to meet with them because it matters to Michael and she's trying to work on their marriage. Uh, Michael tries to tell Angela that they must like her. Otherwise, why would they invite her out? She asked the goofballs how they knew she was in town. And they said she is the talk of the town. So she showed up to Michael's house and just made a scene by ripping apart his car. Peter doesn't think Angela realizes how much trouble she actually causes. Ade then asks why he hasn't seen Michael on Instagram since he's trying to be an influencer. And Angela speaks for Michael and says that they're on the verge of divorce because he's been flirting with other women. And she thinks that if they had any respect for their marriage, that they should have stepped in and defended her. Ade then says that he doesn't think Angela is the best option for Michael and Peter tries to tell him to watch his mouth because they're already on thin ice. And Michael also says that's rude as everyone is trying to get Angela to calm down as she threatens Mm -hmm. to flip the table. Michael then tells Ade to calm down. 
Angela says that this is not the way to repair their relationship. Michael thinks that Ade is disrespectful and tells him so. Angela tells Ade that he is foul, as she says foul things to him, like she's just, you know, spouting out expletives. And Ade thinks that Angela is trying to oppress Michael, but Peter interrupts to say it doesn't matter anymore. Angela and Michael leave, and Angela is thankful that Michael stood up for her this time. She's thinking that without the goofballs and Instagram, that their marriage will be off to a good start in the U.S. Angela is packing up to leave Nigeria. She's hoping that this is the last time they'll ever have to say goodbye since the visa is supposed to be there any day now. She still doesn't trust Michael 100%, but she knows that he loves her. She says at the end of the day, she will always get her way. Angela is scared that Michael may make more mistakes now that they are long distance once again. Angela cries as they say goodbye as she says goodbye to Michael at the airport. All right, so I don't know. Do you think that Michael has had a change of heart with his friends because he did do something more than he usually does when they started to have the conflict? I mean, usually Michael doesn't side necessarily with either one of them. He just kind of sits there passively and lets them kind sure. of deal with each yeah. other. But this time he actually stepped in and attempted to defend Angela. So do you think that that's his way of communicating? He's really picking Angela's side over the goofball side? Uh, I mean, maybe. But I don't think that means he's done with his friends, though. Like, she seems to think he's done. Like, uh, that's it. But I I, I don't know. Part of me was wondering if you put Ade up to that. Because he he said things that were just like, dude, you are just trolling this woman. Like, you are not even – like, either – they let him meet and he's like, do I get to piss off the old lady again? Because I'll do that. That's fun. Um, right. I don't know if he if he was doing that or if Michael was like, listen, I want you to really piss off Angela. And I'm I will in. like stand up for her. I'll step in and stand up for I'll her. I'll look like the hero. Yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so I'm not sure which one which one of those two things it was. It, I, I'd say 50-50 because I really think Ade just gets a real big kick out of pissing her oh, off. Oh, he does. And it was kind of funny how Peter kind of half-heartedly was like, no, no, don't talk to her like that. <laughs> well, and it's funny too because you'd think at some point she'd just go like, like I usually get uh, be like, dude, you're just trying to piss me off. Shut the fuck right, up. Right. Like, you know, like – and that, that's what it is. He's he's a, he's a definitely a ball buster. I'm sure he busts Michael's. He did bust Michael's balls right there. Why aren't you yeah. on Instagram, huh? It's your right. on Instagram anymore, right? Like, 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 like it's what he does, but I don't know. The best – I don't know. My, in my experience, the best way to deal with him is be like, all right, yeah, okay, huh, yeah. fine. He does kind of have this smirk on his face like when he's saying it like he's just joking around too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she takes everything so literally oh, and so yeah, seriously and it's just like oh, – you're just – and she just – and that's what that's the part that I don't get is just like, well, you, don't you just know he's trying to piss you off? Like right. I knew he was trying to piss her off. Like yeah. everybody around knew he was trying to piss her off. And like and like what's his face? Peter was like, yeah, that one's too far. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Let's not say that they weren't meant to be together. She can go on. You, she just tore up a car. You think she won't tear yeah, up your that property? Part, and that's the part we were talking talking about offline. It's like, that's like the funny part is just like, how did you even know I was here? You must be sneaking. They're like, you caused the biggest. It's all anybody's been talking about all week. Of course we know you're here. Right. Right. <laughs> you came you're not exactly a crazy white discreet lady, lady. Started destroying a car. <laughs> like, it's in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, and th- but this is the one I was talking about where it's like, I think between the time she's gotten there and ripped the car apart, which was like, what, 
10 episodes ago. Yeah. Right? It's been like three days, like real time. And that's just like, there's such an incredible amount of, and then we had like the last episode with Kim and Usman where it was like, well, this happened four months ago. <laughs> and yeah. like, now we're going to do this ever different thing. Just so much is, it's, everything's stretched out so, so much. Right. But what's kind of funny about her situation is like, there's actually been a lot of stuff. So it's like, it like we were joking about how, you know, it's like, how did you know I was in town? Well, because you are a lot of drama and you were the talk <laughs> of the town. It's like, yeah, she's the talk of the town. Look at all this drama that we've managed to get like 10 episodes from four days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we noticed and we, and we noticed it because you were like, we were offline. You were like, wait, what happened to her friend? Yeah, <laughs> like, seen like, her did her friend leave already? What's going on? <laughs> And I think she did, but it was, it's like, she just like disappeared. She just faded out. It's like, where, what happened to Renee? She's gone now. Yep, Renee's gone now. All right. So that leaves me with, oh, right, Kim and Usman, which, oh yeah. boy, I was heavy on the comedy. I think I'll be like on this one. So we start <laughs> off with Kim being so mad that she won't even rub lotion on Usman's feet. Oh, God. I know. Like. She, she, he asks, he's like, my feet are dry. And she just like chucks lotion at him. He's like, what? You're not going to rub it in. So she accuses him of being that she was the, about how she accuses him because she was the only person that knew about the adoption thing. And yeah, he already sees how this is going. So he gives her time just to be mad by herself and goes to the pool. So at the pool, so at the pool, he finds Jamal and they sit feet in the pool and have a conversation. So Usman says that Kim was kind of upset, you know, kind of upset, a little upset, just a titch, um, because Muhammad doesn't know about the adoption stuff. Jamal gets it because Usman has a way of maybe not twisting the truth, but saying the truth in a certain way so that he looks good and everybody else looks unreasonable. And Jamal explains that what he did in this, you know, omitting a very key and very pertinent piece of information in America would be considered a lie. And Usman was like, but I didn't lie. And he was like, but you didn't say the whole truth. We consider that a lie. And um, so anyway, and that is what upsets his mom. He, he always hears complaints about her, about the, the phrase he always hears when she's talking about Usman is, he didn't tell me the whole story. Yeah. So Jamal and also Jamal really doesn't get this yet about where they are in this relationship and moving forward. Uh, he's A phrase he keeps using over is that they've only known each other in vacation mode. So they don't know if this relationship is going to work if they never had to live the day-to-day and the boring stuff. So Usman says he wants everything to be sweet, but Jamal is just like, but that's not how it is. Mm -hmm. That the adoption is another sacrifice on my mom's part and that I don't think you realize how much my mom does. So Jamal says that Usman sees the situation as himself doing a lot and Kim doing a little, but it's probably more even than you think. So Jamal warns that some that someone is going to have her back. He's going to always have her back. Um, and then Usman thinks that Jamal, you know, I don't like it. He's too much into Kimberly's business. And once they meet Muhammad in person, Kim will come around and everything will be fine. So later on, Kim and Usman are getting ready for the meeting, which makes her nervous because she really doesn't know how to go tell someone she wants to take be a white lady and take their baby back to the to another country. God. So she assumed that part would already be kind of smoothed over before she got there. She's worried she's going to look crazy. But Usman is trying to reassure her that it's really not a, not as big of a deal in, in Nigeria. It's very natural. 
So they all get to a playground, Jabal included, and they play with Mahadi for a while and give him some balls to play with, like a football and a soccer ball. And then they sit down at the table with Mahadi, Mahadi on Muhammad's lap. So Muhammad opens a conversation wondering why Usman invited them here. So he gets straight to the point. He can't have two wives because it's illegal to have that in the U.S. So plan B is you give us Mahadi to adopt as our child. Oh, so Muhammad's response, it was very blunt. He just did straight up ask it. Muhammad's response is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he seems very confused about what they're talking about. And eventually he's like, oh, I get what you're talking, what, you, what you're saying. And doesn't have a response for a while. So eventually Muhammad's wife says that she's going to have to think about it. Muhammad is mostly worried about how if this child goes to the States, it would mean that he would be raised not just outside of Hausa culture, but outside of um, an, an Islamic culture at all. So in an, interview, in an interview, he says that he was shocked by the request. He would prefer that his child be brought up in Hausa culture, particularly the Islamic religion. So Jamal asks if, if Muhammad would like Kim to convert to Islam. And Muhammad's like, well, yes, I would. To which Kim is just the first time we've seen her really put her foot down as this hard, I think. She was like, nope, not happening. Absolutely not. So the pressure now the pressure is on her to convert, which is makes her mad. She feels like, yeah, it's all on her again. And she thought this is something that could have been discussed before she was sitting in front of him. So Usman implores her, just, you know, give him time to think about it. But it seems that to her that being a non-Muslim, it seems like a red line. And Usman is pushing this too far, too far and too hard. So after all that, she and Jamal talk the whole thing out. They're back back at the hotel. So she says the hardest thing about it is how Usman keeps putting her in a difficult situation, like where she has to make do something for the family. In this case, basically convert religions. So Jamal thinks the whole thing really went bad. And, you know, while the the while Mahadi's parents, they didn't say no, it was pretty clear from their body language that they're going to be a hard no. So Jamal also shares with her the vacation mode concern and how he doubts that having a kid is going to solve any or all of their problems. So he thinks that Usman has some sort of picture where Kim raises Mahadi and Usman is out making the big money through his music, but he knows that that's not how it's going to work. Jamal's also concerned with Usman always talking about like going back and forth to be Nigeria, which also is not going to work. He, so he's, you know, talking this all out with his mom and he's very concerned that she never seems to have an answer to anything. Like, how's this going to work? She's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, how's this going to work? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> so it seems like Usman is taking advantage of how much she'll do for him. So she understands his concern, but she says she also needs to consider what Usman wants. So she said her mind is still not made up about the adoption, even though it might not even be on the table. Uh, so. Based based on what we saw here, how on the table do you think the adoption is? I don't I don't know. I think they were just being polite, right? Like they mm -hmm. just seemed like what this came out of left field. Um, I don't think they're into it. I don't think Kim was really into it. I think that the reason why they've all kind of gone along with it so far, like entertaining it, is because they think that everybody else is on board, right? Like mm. Kim. She's the only reason why she thought this was okay was because she thought that the brother already knew, right? And I feel like the brother probably was okay with it because he thought that Kim was in on this and this wasn't just like something that was sprung on her. I think if they both like were communicating like that this was kind of a surprise thing, maybe it wasn't something that they weren't very sure about, this would, wouldn't even be entertained any further. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it is weird that like, I don't know, I, I don't know how else I'd do it, but... 
yeah, it just seemed for everybody to be like, what? Like, right. she's too shocked to even have an opinion on it, right? Right. Well, especially mom was like, what? Duh. No, I think the brother was actually, Muhammad was actually pretty polite about it without yes. saying no. But you could say like, mom was like, nope. Nope. Yeah. Like that's, I want to take your child to another country. It's just, right. I can't. And it's, it's a cultural thing, but I can't even, even imagine that. Like, yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't even think their thought was like the opportunities that Mahadi would get. Right. Because I think that's what. I think Kim was kind of thinking, not that she was trying to be white savior, but like kind of, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, oh, you want your child to like be brought up in America where there's like so much more opportunity. And that wasn't their first thought. Their thought was, well, is he going to get the religious upbringing that we believe he should get? Right. And that, well, they were probably pretty po proof positive that they're, he's not going to get that in, in right. the States. Well, especially because like, have... Kim isn't religious. Yeah. And I was actually a little surprised at how hard she came down on non-starter that is not happening i am not converting at all right done right which i applaud because i mm -hmm. think it's incredibly disrespectful to a religion to re to convert for non-belief based reasons non-faith based reasons mm -hmm. right sure. to be like oh well i have to pretend to be a muslim to raise this kid okay then i'll do that yeah. I'll just like go through all the motions and not. And I, I know I won't believe it. And so I, I do have a lot of respect for it. I think that's just, yeah, like I said, it's incredibly disrespectful to that religion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like Jamal in this episode. Yes, very I much. I really liked the conversations that he was having with Usman. I thought they were really reasonable. I thought they were, um, I guess, to the point enough. And they were like the way that they communicated with one another. It like made me wish that Kim and Usman communicated like that. You know, I yes. feel like Jamal speaking for his mom was very much what she would like feel and what she would want, but she doesn't say it like he does. No, and I think part of it is um, Jamal is just really good mm -hmm. um, at. Staying calm. Yeah. And I could tell there were points in the conversation where Usman was doing his thing where he's like, all right, well, I'm going to troll him a little bit and get him yelling at me. <laughs> and then I get to control where the conversation goes when when he's yelling at me. I get to be the reasonable one. And he just wouldn't engage like that. Right, right. Right? He would, he, you know, he said things like, I just want everything to be sweet and do the thing. He was like, well, that's not the way it is. Right? And <laughs> yeah. when he said something like, he said something like, you know, I'm always going to have my mom's back. And he's like, nobody needs to have your mom's back. Nothing. It's, it's going to go 100% fine. He, he just, Usman's getting angry. And Jamal was just like, mm, okay, that's, I hear you feel that way, but I'm always going to have my mom's back. Like, yeah. like, and, and the, he, because that was his MO with both, his mm. MO with Kim, it's his MO with baby girl Lisa, right? Yeah. Is he just gets them, oh, I'm losing this conversation. So I need to steer it in a direction where they fly off the handle. And now I then then later they're going to have to apologize to me. Yeah, right. the best thing yeah. that can happen to him in a conversation is he gets a milkshake thrown on him because oh, now God. he's the good guy. Yeah, and that just wasn't happening with Jamal. Jamal just was logical and calm. Yeah, that is true because we don't really think of Usman as being kind of like the you know high strung unreasonable one because it's like well he's surrounded by people that are more high strung and dramatic than he is. Right, because his 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 thought pro he does the logic to his thought process mm -hmm. and that's the, and that's the kind of what Jamal called him on. He was like, he's when he talks, is it, it's not really a coherent thought, which right. is like, I just want the very sweetness of the world and I have everything, the love I have for her. And he's like, well, that's great that you want that. That's not the way it is. 
yeah. like <laughs> you know and it's like and it, it, it kind of takes away from him and he's just like well, you think I don't trust me and especially that's with him he has he would tell you he's like you don't trust me and he'd be like no I don't yeah like like end of story but yes it, it, it the points got actually made and it was it was mm-hmm. a fight to the point and disagreement to the point where I was like, oh, I see what both of these people are trying to say, which is so rare in the show. I know. Yeah, it was like a productive conversation. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Okay, hate to backtrack, but uh, I forgot to ask you this before. Didn't we talk about this kid or not us, but wasn't this kid introduced as two when we first I thought he heard was three. about him? No, but then they said he was four in this episode. It's like, oh, how God. old is this kid? That's even worse. Like, at a certain point, like, it's already hard enough. And I feel like by the time you're four, you know who your mom and dad right. are. Yeah. And you're like, where's my mom? Like, where's dad? Like, what yeah. am I going to – like, they're not it, – it's it's just that that's too late to start. Yeah, yeah. to start. It's I crazy. two is kind of okay-ish. Push, I, I think you're still pushing it. Yeah, no, you definitely are. But like, like they won't remember in a year or two because like even my niece, uh, we were talking about something that had happened. My uh, my dad was saying something like, oh, yeah, she's never stayed at a hotel. Like, you know, that's what she told him. And then I was like, mm-hmm. no, she stayed at a hotel. She was like a little over two. And she and I thought she would remember that because it was very like different from her everyday like routine. And, you know, so I thought it would be very memorable. But apparently she doesn't remember oh, that. Yeah, no, I think most people don't start forming permanent memories until they're like three. And because, yeah. yes, and to be fair, there's plenty of people who get adopted when they're two mm-hmm. that – and, you know, when they when they're grown or like, yes, that's my mom. That's the only mom I've ever known. Right. Right. That's not that's not crazy. That's not out of the out of the ordinary. So maybe two is but two at the time when yeah. you are that age, you're able to say mom and dad. Right. You just don't really won't necessarily remember it. This isn't like an immediate process. So it's yeah. like, you know, OK, let's Kids say, like for six. example, <laughs> they all agree. Right. And it's like, well, Kim is still in the U.S. So and I don't think Usman's taking on daddy duties solo. So he's going to oh, just oh, yeah, yeah. let them live with, you know, their son until like this visa thing happens. And it's like, what? how old is this kid going to be? If it's anything like Angela and Michael, this kid's going to be like seven or eight. And at this at this point too, if it's like, oh, the point is you need to have a child of your own, right? And you're gonna, you know, that's what that's what we're doing it, and and we're letting the kid go. Why didn't you just go? All right, well, let me tell you, let me get the 17 year old right there, and then I'll adopt him for like a year, and I'll have yeah. a child of my own, and then we'll be good, right? Because like, like, at this point, he's his kid's gonna be like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be like, did you really raise that kid? Because right. I feel like. He was yeah. halfway done. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this this plan is falling apart quickly. Very quickly, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about maybe other relationships that might be falling apart. Uh, Ed and Liz, they are walking on the beach enjoying San Diego and contemplating their move out of San Diego, as was mentioned in the last episode. Ed is open to the idea of moving to get away from all the negativity. They struggle over getting Ed's sweater on the right way before they dive into a discussion about Liz working more hours at work. Liz is going back to the restaurant as a full-time manager. Liz wants to reassure Ed that there's nothing to worry about. Ed says that the space is uh, good and the money is good for them to try afford a house. Ed is scared because Liz's working has been a source of problems in the past, and he says that he's just going to have to be okay with it to keep the peace. 
Liz says there's going to be times she will have to pick up a shift and maybe be home late occasionally. And Ed says he will never be okay with a 12 to 1 a.m. release from work time. And Liz says it's a restaurant, so it's just not reasonable to eliminate that as an option. But Ed thinks that coworkers just want to party and Liz will go out and party with them. Ed says he will never be okay with working that late, and Liz says she doesn't have a choice and will have to follow uh, his terms, I guess, if that means that she can't work late. Ed doesn't like how that makes him look, so he's trying to make it seem like they are choosing this together, but Liz is clear that she's accepting his terms, and if it were up to her, she would just work late. Ed says that no job is more important than them, Later, Liz is working when Ed comes in to say hi to, as he puts it, show his support. But really, I think he's just trying to get free food. Yeah. Yeah. Liz <laughs> is feeling good because the chef has offered her a partnership in the restaurant, which is a huge promotion and a huge opportunity. Liz tells the news to Ed, who does start with a congratulations before he starts to ask logistic questions. He brings up that she's the one who wanted to move, so why is she trying to get tied down with this uh, job here? Ed thinks that she's choosing her career over them, and that feels selfish. He says he wants a wife, and this sounds like too big of a commitment. Ed says that they should just wait and see exactly what the offer is. Ed is just worried that they're okay until the next fight. He thinks that a lot of their fights have been centered around her long and late hours. Liz says it feels like a breakup, but Ed is just trying to be realistic about their situation. All right, Hmm. so we saw that Liz essentially chose Ed over her job when he pretty much told her she couldn't work late hours. But now with this, uh, you know, promotion, do you think that Liz would once again choose Ed over her job? (sighs) I hope not, Mm -hmm. but probably. Um, But, uh, well, at this point though, it doesn't let things have changed a little bit since then, right? If the prospect of of having no custody with her kid and her kid moving out of the country, right? right, Then that might be like, well, that's not, now it's not choosing my job over Ed. Now it's choosing my daughter over Ed. Right. Right. Because if I don't have this job, I'm not going to be able to have my daughter. Yeah. And, um, and so that Ed would be extremely unreasonable to expect. Extremely unreasonable I to expect. I already see him being unreasonable, but he is so like, you know, concerned with his image that as soon as she said it in a way, he was like, "No, no, this isn't like my way." And she's like, "No, it is your way." It is. It is because I don't think that Ed responded to anything that happened in this entire episode mm-hmm. without saying, "I want" or "I don't want." Right. Like everything was framed about what he wants. Yeah. The entire, sure. their entire relationship is what does, I don't want you out late. I don't want you working too long. I want um, us to be able to do this. I, I want, want us. a like, wife at home. I want a wife. Yeah. Like those are literally everything. Her concerns, her desires, her life do not matter. No, All that matters is no. what do I want? And that's yes. why Ed is so gross to me. It's like he was like this with everyone that he's dated. I guess Rose and her, you know, but it's just it's like I don't know if he is capable of really being a true supportive partner. And I know he tries to paint this picture like he's incredibly supportive and that he's like, you know, a great partner. I mean, his idea of showing support is going to eat 
where she happens to work. But, you know, yeah. it's like, why don't you show support by letting her work the hours that she wants to work? And, yeah, trust her to come home. And right. if she doesn't, if she does go out drinking with her, like, friends, like, every every day after work, that's a different issue. Right, And right. that issue is you need to stop doing that, not you need to stop working. Yeah, no, exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's part of me as a partner. I was like, I, that, I, I could not have a partner if it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. Um, it would, it would, it would just, it would make drive me nuts going to work every day. We yeah. would have less money. But at like, the same I, time, I, you that might be true, but you also have to recognize that there are challenges with having someone work an opposite schedule than you. You know, like I used to date sure, a police sure. officer, and he worked night schedule, and it was awful for my schedule because it's like he was you know, wide awake at like 11 o'clock at night. And it's just like, well, so I can hang out with you between the hours of like 11 and two, but then I have to get up at six in the morning to go to work, you know? And so I didn't date him for that long, but I mean, long-term, that is not something, a schedule I could have maintained. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I do know people struggling with that same kind of, that, mm. that same kind of problem now. And um, yeah, it, it it's, hard but I, I can't imagine the the answer being like banning someone from working banning somebody yeah. from working yes right, because yeah. i want what is uh, does ed even have a regular job though i mean it's like that's, that's everything is different i'm sure it's like flexible so he doesn't have hours though he has the flexibility yeah. that, that doesn't have to be as big of a deal right like you can you know maybe sleep in a little and stay up late when liz gets home yeah Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it, that that maybe is a bit moot. But like even the way he he but the way he congratulated her, the way he came, I would just showing up at the work does not seem like support to me. It seems like spying on me. Yeah. You know, like I can't imagine like just I just showed up where you work. Now, hopefully it was like, hey, I, I need dinner. It's like, can I, if I come to the restaurant, can I get something like maybe. We could do that because she seemed ready to take his order. Like, right. like oh, you want the salad? Like, yeah. you want the thing? So <laughs> I think it was probably set up ahead of time. Right. But, but it just, it, it just, I, I would be, if I worked at a restaurant and I don't work at restaurants and my partner just like would randomly show up at the bar, I'd be like, why are you here? Right. Like, right. This is weird. I'm at work. Like, because, but that's also something too. I do consider like my work, my work life and my, Family life to be pretty separate. Well, they kind of have to be. It would be really weird if your partner showed up at school, and, like, right? In on your well, classroom, you know. Uh, yes. Well, that would be a giant security violation, right? Um, <laughs> but I was actually thinking more of like like the person, um, the partner I have now, where I'm like, she works somewhere where you could, if I like had the day off school, I could stop drop by, in, yeah, drop in, and. It's nice to it's nice to like drop in and be like, well, I'll take you to lunch, but it's like a whole text and a thing and a, like arranging and be like that's a thing. But it's like I wouldn't just be like, oh hi, I'm here to purchase your wares. Like right. that's weird. Well, that's the thing that I'm like very suspicious of. I don't think Ed's supporting her at all. I feel like he's like just staking out the place, like trying to yes. like be like, this is my lady, like my lady, like you know, back off. I'm going to be the ever present like partner that shows that might just pop by. So you better watch yourself because he might be here. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that was more of a plot than it was like, I'm showing my support. It's like, well, and absolutely. It doesn't, I don't know how it shows. I don't know how it shows his support. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, So I think that's all. 
the couples we saw this week. We didn't see Bilal and Shida. So out of the group we saw this week, who was your student of the week? I went not main person. I went with Jamal. I, I thought he was too. like very, very, yeah. very good at talking. And that's right. we usually don't see people who can logically make conclusions and calmly explain them. Right. And so that was nice. That was a fre- breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also went with Jamal. Uh, what about your dunce? I went with Ed. I did too. Just, we were on the same page this Yeah, week. same page. We just talked about him. So we talked about yeah. all that shitty I just crap felt he like it, he even saw how gross what he was saying. Like, yeah. Yes. I guess these are your terms and I have no choice. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have a choice. And it's like, not really. Yeah, not really the way you just put it. Right. But, yeah, and but I also he think he, he, he really wanted to. You could see him like she told him about the partner thing. And he yeah. was like, well, first of all. Congratulations. Yeah. But second of all, <laughs> you're like, I feel like there's a but. There's definitely a but. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. What about your life lesson? All right. So if you are in a relationship and you want to consider it a partnership, you cannot say things like, because I said so. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> I know. That's um, like so that's fatherly. The opposite of a partnership. Right. And, and when people – and that's that, that, that really messes up relationships, yeah. right? When one person sees dynamic. himself – you get that fop, you get that parental you know, parent dynamic. child relation dynamic going on. It it really tears apart relationships. Yeah. Now it usually happens when I actually just read an article about this. A lot of times when housework is not evenly split, mm. and I, and the woman does so much housework that she feel to the point where, and you've heard this cliche a lot, that she feels like she has another kid. Yeah. Right. I have two. I have two child kids and one adult kid, yeah. and that like really hurts like things like the sex drive, and and it really damages a relationship. Yeah. And so this is another way of being. So, yes, trying to be her dad is also going to hurt the sex drive. Yeah, and I mean, relationship. Well, she's already even said stuff about like, you know, feeling like Ed is her dad. Yeah. Well, I was I was thinking about Yara and Jovi did the same thing. Oh, right. Right. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK. My life lesson is it's unreasonable to think that a partner's friend should always defend you. If they're a good friend to your partner, they should be looking out for their friend. Uh, they should always be respectful, but you can't expect anything more out of them. Like it was unreasonable for Angela to think that these goofballs were going to defend their relationship when she wasn't around. Yes, because the goofballs, I mean, she's just taking for granted that the friends think the relationship is good for Michael. Right. And I think she also, I think she also kind of mistakes that she thinks like she's a good person and that they should like want to defend her as well. It's like, right. no, I don't because think that's what I they think. very much thought the goofballs were like, this might lead to divorce. And they were like, well, that sounds like a positive development. This would be make your life better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so uh, we will be back with this group next week. They keep on teasing a family therapy, but who knows I know. if it'll ever happen. I know. I'm and we have like no. no idea. I'm assuming there's not going to be a episode on Christmas and probably not on New Year. Well, we don't but know. But who knows? We, we'll but find knows? out the day before and then we'll be scrambling to try to get our schedules to work. <laughs> yes. On, on, oh, yes. The day after Christmas, on yeah. Boxing Day, we'll yeah. be like, uh <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, but we will be back next week because there is an episode next week. Yes, we will be back next week. Okay, sounds good. Until then. All right, see everybody then. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye.